and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.catherineplano.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today we have a very inspirational woman for you, Jodie Prowse, who is a speaker and author of the powerful memoir, The Sun is Gone, a sister lost in secrets, shame and addiction and how she broke free. She is an outspoken advocate to eliminate the shame and stigma around addiction and mental illness, as well as empowering women to survive life's challenges and family crisis. How many times have you lost yourself in some chronic family crisis, giving and giving until there is no more left to give and yet you give more? Out of duty, out of love, out of knowing that everyone is looking to you. As a woman, we often learn from childhood that we are the ones that must be the peacemakers, the problem solvers, the fixers, the ones that make concessions, the ones whose needs come last. And we sometimes do this with dire consequences, losing ourselves, sometimes our partners and our children and even our souls. Jodie's story begins as a child where she became her sweet little brother's protector as she witnessed alcohol-fueled fights behind closed doors. She is the granddaughter, stepdaughter, daughter-in-law, sister-in-law, niece, great-niece, aunt and cousin to alcoholics. But nothing impacted her more than when her closest friend, her magnificent brother, became addicted to alcohol. It's now time to to tune into this journey, not unscathed, but alive and at peace. Enjoy. Today we have a special guest for you from all the way in Canada and it's 3am in the morning. Welcome to I Am Woman Project, Jodie Prowse. Good morning. Good morning. And I was just saying it's Friday evening, 7pm and uh, wow, 3am in the morning. And I think it's also summer. It looks like it's summer because you're in a singlet and I'm uh, wearing multi-layers. Oh yeah, it's very much summer here. We're just coming to the end of it. Yeah, and we, well, today's the first day of spring for us, but it doesn't feel like spring at all. Oh, is that right? Yeah, no, it's still super hot here, but um, we know that the snow will be coming uh, soon sometimes. Yeah, of course. So Jodi, for our listeners, let's unpack Jodi and tell us your story. Well, you know, sometimes I, I'm not even sure, you know, how I got here, how I got to be speaking, how I got to be an author. 
you know, I'm, I always say I'm the same as everybody else. I'm, I'm a mom and a sister and a wife and a friend and a neighbor. Um, but, you know, I was hiding a painful secret. I'm also the daughter, stepdaughter, granddaughter, niece, sister-in-law, daughter-in-law, cousin, aunt, to alcoholics, and um, nothing impacted me more in this world than when my younger brother, Brett, became addicted to alcohol as well. Wow. I can't imagine what that would be like. So is that what drove you to write the book, The Sun is Gone, is because of your life story? It did. I, you know, I'm a business owner. I owned a bath and body company for 20 years, um, just up until, I guess, eight months ago. I was never going to be a writer. I didn't ever aspire to do anything like that. But I just felt that this was such an important story to tell. You know, I'd been around alcohol my whole life, but this was so completely crazy and out of control. I just, I didn't think anyone would believe alcohol could do this. And, and, you know, it's legal and, and our children are going to grow up and try alcohol in all likelihood. And I, I just thought people should be aware. Mm. So when you say could do this, what are you happy to share some of the information that you're, uh, I guess you have written in your book? Yeah. When I say, when I say could do this, um, I think he was severely addicted. It was severe addiction to alcohol. And like I said, when I had been around it my whole life or, you know, what you think is, is just that alcohol is innocent. And, mm. um, and, you know, I, I wrote this book different than any other book I'd ever read. You know, usually, of course, it's usually written by the person in recovery. And, and it's usually just a partial glimpse. I just wanted to tell the whole story. So it actually starts out when we are two and six years old, and it takes you through a 40 year span. And so you're very, very much on the journey with us. Um, I wanted to bring everybody in and so they can really feel and see what it is like. Mm. And, and I, I noticed there was an article that you wrote, are you a, an alcoholic, oh, sorry, a workaholic, enabling and codependency pattern setting the stage. Talk us through that article. Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, at the time, like, I don't drink. I haven't drank in 25 years. And, you know, at the time, it was just focus on drinking, focus on drinking. And, and that's, um, you know, that's what they said to our brother. That's what they said to us. And what I know now, you know, in 2017, we're so much more educated. And so what I learned uh, now is that childhood really can set the stage um, for some of the things and some of our personality traits and and even alcohol and drug addiction. And so I've learned so much, not only about my brother, but about myself on this journey. And that is, you know, I took different things out of childhood and different life lessons. And uh, I very much um, am addicted to other things. I was addicted to work. I was a workaholic. And but I was also addicted to my brother. And sadly, I was addicted to saving my younger brother. I, I felt responsible for him and, and it took control over every aspect of my whole life. 
Mm. So when you're saying addicted, because that really resonated with me when I read that article, are you a workaholic? Because I can really resonate with, with that and I know that a lot of our listeners will too. Do you think that's almost, when you're saying that um, it's almost one of those things that uh, either is almost imposed on you as a child, the, the addiction part, and it's a form of addiction, but we're not aware of it as we uh, get older. Is that is that what you're saying in your article? Oh, absolutely. And I, you know, for someone that, that thought she had it together, I mean, I was, it was six years before I set a healthy boundary and really started getting healthy with my, for myself with my brother. But I thought I had a handle on all this. And I thought, you know, I knew who I was and I was strong and I was capable and, and I was um, learning different things. But absolutely, you don't know that you're lost. You know, you're so focused on someone else that is sick that you don't actually look to yourself. And it wasn't until I really stepped back and and it was at my lowest point. I, I was losing weight and I wasn't going to work. My brother was dying um, I was sacrificing my husband, my marriage, my job. Until you really look at yourself, um, do you know that, that you're just as lost and that perhaps you have some unhealthy patterns that that were learnt a long time ago? Mm. So what was your pivot point? Was that your pivot point that the, when it came to that uh, at the worst point where your brother almost died or is it something yeah. else that was your pivot pivot point yeah and it that was my real you know I think I was learning things it, it had been six years in and I every minute of the every day for six years almost was obsessed with saving him mm -hmm. and so you can imagine how that unraveled my own life and so it was but it takes a while to be able to get the strength to finally you know, really come to that realization. And I was, I, I remember sitting in therapy, I was 39 years old. And it just finally, he said something that hit me and, you know, Jody, you're not responsible for their lives. And, and who he meant at that time, my therapist was my mom, my little sister and, and my younger brother. And, you know, I'd been doing it for so long, looking after them and, and it just, it was just such a moment that that I finally realized. And that's when I started taking care of myself. And and it's what my brother needed as well. But I, I needed it. My family needed it. And so that was kind of the beginning of my road to health, health and recovery. Mm. So it's quite often you hear about that when you really want to help someone and you go out of way to help them somebody uh whether it's to go through a change or a shift and and it's almost like they don't see it but we see it because we see that there's a potential for them to be completely different and it's only once we completely let go then they make that realization themselves is that what you experienced oh uh, well um First, that that is what I believe, and that is what uh, therapists and doctors and professionals all do tell us. I mean, I always say, you know, the word no can be the kindest, most compassionate gift you can give your loved one and yourself and the ability for them to live their own life and for them to actually see what's going on. And, um, you know, unfortunately, um, my brother didn't get well. 
Mm. Unfortunately, he was still surrounded with um, other people that enabled him. And, um, you know, and I, and I will say that isn't shifting the blame to other people. My brother wasn't making the changes he needed for a variety of reasons. And so sadly, he did lose his battle with alcohol addiction in March of 2012. And that's the other reason why I'm just, I'm very proud to tell this story. You know, not, not everyone makes it, but not Mm. everyone survives cancer either. Mm. And I think we can learn from some of the things that go wrong. Yeah, absolutely. So when you said in your book, The Sun is Gone, it's written in a different way. In what way is it written? Yeah, it's just written. First, it's incredibly truthful. You know, at times it's a very hard read. But, you know, I wanted people to really feel what it's like. First, if you've never experienced it for you to understand what it's like for families out there or why people become addicted in the first place. And it certainly is not a conscious choice. But also for other families, you know, we feel so alone. We feel like no one could possibly know what this is like because we hide in shame. And so I wanted other families to be able to read something and and know that you're not alone and someone out there does know how you feel. And and so it is very truthful, but you just really, you're learning as I learn. That, mm. that's, how I, that's how I wrote it. There's, there's lots of things in there that as I learned, I, I fit them into the book. So you don't really know you're learning kind of statistics and things like that, but I've t- intertwined them in there. And, and that's what so many people have told me. Jody, I can feel that I'm just right there with you. And, and I think it just gives empathy and compassion to all the people in it, not, not just the one that, that's addicted. Mm, and what has been some of those greatest lessons along the way? Oh, I just, I think it just is so much shows compassion for a family and hope, love and forgiveness and, and the possibility of change and saying sorry and just how powerful all those things can be. And, and it really, for everybody, you know, um, this life can be so beautiful, but it can also be incredibly challenging. And I don't just mean for those that are addicted to drugs or alcohol or mental illness. We, we have some, um, some things that we all have to live through in this life. And, and I think people can feel that no, no matter what they're going through. Mm, you can see that you're very passionate about what you uh, do and you can see you're very driven by what you do. And and do you, obviously, when you were saying you were speaking a lot since the book, you've obviously been sp- speaking to uh, a lot of people and people have reached out to you um, because they can actually connect with your story, whether they have experienced it themselves Um and uh, like you were saying, you know, an addiction, sometimes it's not a conscious choice. I'm really a, l- a little bit curious around that too, actually. When you're saying it's not a conscious choice, what do you mean by that? Well, you hear that so much. You hear it in the media and you hear it in society. And, you know, we even hear it in our own family sometimes. Like people can just stop. And first I'll say, you know, when when it comes to the conscious choice, 
you know, some people become addicted. They they get in a car accident and, and they've hurt their back or something else has happened in, or for mental illness and they have to take medication and they can become addicted to those prescriptions. And you look at my brother who became addicted to alcohol and, and what was, you know, I always, say, I always say, what was he guilty of? He was guilty of being a teenager who, you know, was shy and quiet and and we know now uh, that we didn't know then, you know, suffered from anxiety and some depression. And, you know, you'd go to parties uh, in high school and start having a few drinks. Or, you know, sadly, one of his best friends was his father. And, and from 14 years old would go and fish and camp and, and drink with him. And, mm-hmm. and so he, can you imagine if, if he knew that, having those first few beers or those first couple cocktails would lead to this. Mm. He wouldn't do it and neither would anyone else. And so you just, you don't ever know if it could be you. You know, I, I, I did have it on so many branches of my family tree and never ever could I have imagined it would happen to, to my brother. And you, and you hear that sometimes it's almost like it's been passed down you know, uh, I've heard this before where whether it's alcohol or abuse or anything like that, it's almost um, because it's been with them since at a very young age, um, it's almost, um, uh, you know, like who and what they become as they get older. Uh, and it's it's out of their control because it's been almost done at such a young, whether it's an imprinting phase or modeling, whether they want to be, you know, peer group pressure or, or accepted, whatever that may be. Um, and it, I mean, you hear it, there's a lot of alcohol um, problems, especially with teenagers. I don't know if it is like that in Canada, but definitely in Australia. Oh, and you know, it's the statistic in the United States is one in seven people will become addicted to alcohol. That That is just an incredible number. And you're right. It is a lot of times generational. The statistics are extremely high if you come from an alcoholic home, that at least one of you will become a, an alcoholic. And, and like, I have said to people when when they say, well, why wouldn't your brother have known you grew up with it? Well, you know what? Because I was that little girl once. And sometimes these become our lessons of right, not our lessons of wrong. It's the things we see. It's our interpretation of what normal is. Drinking every day is is accepted and encouraged and and all those things. And, you know, I want to emphasize I'm not against alcohol at all. I am just about making people um, aware and to be careful and very much an advocate to start talking to your children when they're really young about drugs and alcohol, not wait till they're teenagers. That's, that's way too late. Mm. And I mean, it's it, once again, you know, it's a di- different rules, different countries, different, you know, beliefs, different cultures. I mean, in Australia, you have to be 18 years old to drink. And I know in the US, it's 21. But for okay. example, I'm, I'm French. So in France, I remember growing up, 
with a little bit of red wine and some water and a little bit of sugar. And it was um, uh, custom for us as part of our culture to have that with our dinner or our lunch because that's what our families did. But then you don't have that kind of alcohol problem like you have in other countries because it's almost like it's not taboo. Does that make sense? It was almost like part of life. It does. It's, 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 it's wine and food, but it wasn't taboo. And I think when we make something taboo, it's almost like when we're going through those rebellious years, which we all go through those rebellious years from the age of uh, 14 to 21, um, that's when I think we can get, you know, in, in, in some trouble. I, I 100% agree. You know, the, the legal drinking age is 18 here as well. Um, but I will say young people do not wait until they're 18. And, um, you know, and, and I don't know why. I mean, I love that story. Um, if there's no alcohol problem in France and um, because in Canada and the United States, uh, it's, it's incredibly bad. And I do believe it's about 250 million worldwide. Wow. Um, that, that is a high, high number. And I look, I don't, don't uh, quote me. I don't know that a hundred percent for, you know, with France, but back, I'm talking about years ago and uh, you know, probably back in the 80s, 90s. I don't know if it's like that yeah. now, but definitely when we were younger, it wasn't like that at all. So, um, Jody, what do you think is the number one reason most individuals fail to succeed, you know, through any sort of rehab or therapy? Um, I always, I'm, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychotherapist. Um, I can just go from my, from my personal experience and what I see with people. Um, I think there could be two reasons. Uh, one, with my brother, he needed more mental health um, help. And that I think would be the, the top thing. Um, if you're chronically relapsing to look at mental health as well. I mean, we didn't know that back then. And it's, it's called getting help for uh, co-occurring disorders. And so you're dealing with mental illness and addiction at the same time. Um, but the big, big one is that change and, you know, going to rehab or getting help and not coming back and making a commitment to totally transform and change your life. And, and what that means is change who you hang around with and, and go to uh, your support groups and um, all those things that... Um, change is a huge, huge part of it. It, you know, you think you go to rehab, you come back in 30 days or 90 days. And I, I always say that isn't the most important part. The most important part is what you do when you get home. And I'm a testament to that. I still look after myself and, and I was never the one addicted. I still go to therapy every few months just to make sure I'm on track. And, and I, and I really did take seriously changing my life and some of my behaviors. Mm, and, and what, sorry, and what was unhealthy? Sorry, what was unhealthy? Mm, right, yeah. and some of those, some of those things sometimes are the people that we love, and th that's a hard lesson to learn. Mm, and but, when we talk about change, I mean, everyone responds to change so differently. Some people. Uh, resist change you know they just like to that something that's familiar to them um, and they will do anything to um, not change so it's you know and it depends on how old you are it depends on so many aspects doesn't it 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 really does and um, you know and what change is hard isn't it mm. it's 
it it is a lot easier to stay the same. But when you when you find your your life unraveling and you find things aren't going the way you want them to, um, you, you do need to make that leap and and say, okay, I'm gonna try it this way instead, or you're going to stay stuck. You're you're gonna stay stuck in the same place. Mm. So going back to what you were saying about no, saying no, let's unpack that a little bit because I find that a lot of people find it really hard to say no and I'm I'm going to put my hand up here. I'm a yes woman. So how do you be comfortable and get comfortable in saying no? Oh, I think, Catherine, especially as women, right, we're not programmed to say no. We're programmed to look after everybody else and you know, sacrifice ourselves and, you know, raise our, our children and, and put our own needs last. And, you know, saying no isn't selfish and it isn't cruel. And, and sometimes it is the best thing for, for other people. Um, you know, with, with my brother, it would be a healthy boundary that, that it's enabling otherwise to just keep doing everything for somebody else. And and that's how we raise our kids too. We do say no to our little children. I mean, we understand that concept. So um, I think sometimes, I mean, our my motivation was always, of course, love for my brother, but we don't say no. We don't want people mad at us. Um, there's a whole lot of emotions that come with that. But um, I'm still learning. I am that people pleaser and that caretaker and and all those things. And even now, I I just always say to myself sometimes when I feel I'm doing too much is I don't want to be that person anymore. And that doesn't mean I don't help people and I say no all the time. That's that's not what I'm saying. Um, but in a healthy way, know when to say no and know when to say yes. Mm. I mean, and that's a, that comes across when you say women too, that comes across from in so many other areas from, you know, abuse to, um, you know, not just addiction, but even abuse. And that happens along and quite often you'll, you, I, I, I actually ask myself, how can you stay in that kind of environment? But once again, it's that change piece. It's better the devil, you know, and, and, um, better the environment, you know. Oh, and I, I think, yeah, and that, that is why people don't get out of some, maybe some unhealthy relationships. And you, again, it's, it goes back to our caretaking role, right? We believe we can save people. And, and we believe, and I believed this so much when it came to my brother. I believed I was a failure. He wasn't, he, he was dying. And I had this mis, um, conceived notion that that I was failing him, and uh, it took me a while to get out of that. And and I think you know again as women, I I think we very much feel that. Mm. So Jody, with the benefits of hindsight, would you have done anything differently? Ah, uh, I I would have done so much differently. Uh, I would tell. Anyone going through something, if, if they just feel their life is out of control, is to go get help for yourself first, very first thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, listen to the advice of the professionals. And if it is an, a, a drugs, alcohol situation, that the whole family goes and gets help for themselves first. 
and and listens to the advice of the professionals. And and sometimes that's against what your heart is telling you to do. But I, I believe in those people that know so much more than um, I ever would. And 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 that's what I would do. Mm, and I might- would I would I would support my brother still. I would absolutely be there. This is not about not supporting him, but in a healthy, positive way that's good for my life, my family, and him. Because mm. sometimes I think people avoid uh, seeking help because there's shame around seeking help. Is is that um, something that you experienced? Oh, I experience it and I experience it to this day. I mm. see it everywhere. You know, there's members of my own immediate family that just are not happy that I speak about this. You know, we we live in a changing world and we're no longer supposed to stay silent and we're supposed to share our stories in hopes of helping others and to change perception. And and so shame plays an a huge, huge role. And uh, again, you go back to statistics, one in 10 people in the United States go for help for drugs and alcohol or mental illness issues because they're scared of being stigmatized and judged. And I, I say, I think that shame starts in our own family. Mm-hmm. I think we're not told it directly, but you, you're not supposed to share these secrets. You're not supposed to dare say that grandpa, you know, has a drinking problem. You're not supposed to say that mom has a mental health issue. And and so we're we're creating it by giving these messages to little children. If we believe it's a disease, why are we not talking about it? Mm, absolutely. So during all of this experience, who was your superhero? <sighs> my superhero was my husband. Mm. Um, you know, he um he's he stood behind me. He let me do everything when it came to where my brother was concerned. Um, you know, I talk at the end of the book and, you know, I hope this will really speak to how lost I was. Uh, you know, when I was writing, I said at the very end when I was finished and it took me about three years to write it. You know, I've been married for 27 years and no one loves me more um, or knows me better than my husband. And I said I would have understood back then if if you just had had enough, if you just couldn't take it anymore and said, you know, you can't see your brother anymore because, you know, he's hurting you and our family. And, you know, I always knew why my husband didn't draw that line or say that to me. And um, finally, he had the courage to say it out loud. And he said, Jody, if I would have made you choose back then, you wouldn't have chosen me. And, uh. I started to cry and I would have left my own husband back then and my own children to, you know, save the little two-year-old boy that grew into a man. And, um, I, you know, I was very lost. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the wonderful thing about being lost is that you can be found. And, um, you know, I, I, hope, I hope that means something to other people. Absolutely, and that's why you're sharing your story, turning tragedy to triumph in hopes of helping others, which is another thing that I saw that you do. So what we do, Jodie, as we wrap up the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. What would be that one word for you? I'm going to say hope. 
Mm, yeah, again, I, 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 I agree with you. Absolutely. And the other thing that we do as we wrap up the show is we ask our woman of inspiration to choose three shiny golden nuggets for our listeners. So what would be those three nuggets that you would like to share with our listeners today? Acceptance, forgiveness, and healing. Mm, talk us through acceptance. I, I think it takes a very strong, brave, and inspirational person to really accept the truth, some of the truths in their story. And, and what that means is, um, you know, some of the regrets and the failures. And, and I don't think we can move forward if, if we don't accept the things that have happened to us. And I, I've worked hard to accept it. And it doesn't mean I, I'm happy with, with our story, uh, but I can't change it. And and I think acceptance is very important. Mm, and I guess that's how they could co- coincide. You've got acceptance and then forgiveness. So once you've accepted, you're able to forgive and then heal. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And, mm. you know, and I, and I think, you know, I lost my brother and I see people that are still – um, so angry and why did this have to happen and, and, and full of blame and full of all those emotions and it just keeps you trapped in, in such an unhappy and unhealthy place. And if you can just turn it around to all these things, we don't know why some things happen the way they do in this world, but um, just to turn it into a positive for, for someone else, I, I just think it's such a beautiful thing. And I think by sharing your story, uh, other people resonate and, uh, and I think you're very brave to share your story and, and, and be authentic about exactly what you went through and how you felt. Yeah. And I, and I thank you for that. I, um, I, I want people to be able to tell their truth. Mm. And you actually said you, you had with the book, The Sun is Gone. How did you get about? writing the book because that wasn't a plan of yours. It just sort of came about. So how did, what was the the inspiration? And in 2005, when I had said it just became so out of control, I started taking notes and I told my brother and he didn't even say anything. I didn't even think he was listening. And in 2009, um, I hadn't seen him very often because he wasn't staying sober and he, we went for a beautiful walk together. I hadn't seen him in, I think, a year and he said, you know, how is that story coming along? And I was just shocked. And he actually that day made me promise that I would finish. And um, so that really did give me the strength to work through my pain and my tears and, and reliving every moment. And it is a tribute to him. And it's a promise I made to him. And, and, and that's how it happened. Mm, beautiful thank you so very much Jody, for sharing your story how can our listeners find you what would be the best place absolutely well you can get the book on amazon and you can contact me anytime and you can also get the book on my website at jodyprouse.com j-o-d-e-e-p-r-o-u-s-e.com mm. Thank you so very much, Jody, for coming on the show and sharing your story. It's been wonderful. And um, I'm uh, hoping you're going back to bed now. I am going to go back to bed. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Catherine, and thanks for all that you do. You know, 
conversation, I think, can change lives. And, uh, you know, I appreciate being here. Oh, absolutely. It's all about stories, isn't it? Sharing stories. I think that's what the show is all about. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what life is all about. Oh, it is. Absolutely. Thank you once again for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you. That brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed the show as it is my mission to reach out and inspire as many individuals like you. And one of the best ways to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. If you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, please take care.